It's Tuesday, January 3rd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, a happy new year. And uh, right off the bat, we've got some uh, coaching staff news for the Guardians. Uh, Kyle Hudson, the first base coach and Major League uh, staff assistant who did a lot of the advanced scouting uh, and also filled in at first base uh, when Sandy Alomar had to move to the bench uh, to manage for Terry Francona. Uh, Kyle Hudson hired by uh, the Boston Red Sox to coach first base for Alex Cora. Uh, They had some shuffling over there in Boston. Uh, Will Venables uh, had moved from first base uh, to the bench uh, for the the Red Sox. And now Kyle Hudson uh, becomes the third member of Terry Francona's staff to leave this offseason. Uh, Hudson had done a, a, a pretty outstanding job coaching the outfielders. Uh, he, he had two gold glovers uh, this year in Stephen Kwan and Miles Straw. Obviously, the credit goes to the players for the gold gloves, but uh, it was Kyle Hudson who who kept them sort of on task and and got them out on the field to, to go through their drills. And and really, the, the biggest area of, of progress was uh, taking Oscar Gonzalez uh, as soon as he came up and and making him into a serviceable major league right fielder. Yeah, Joe, I thought Hudson did a great job. Uh, you know, one of those behind the scenes guys that you really don't you know really don't see a lot of. But you know, before every series on the road, you know, you could see him you know out in the outfield walking the wall, so to speak, walking the outfield, you know, getting the lay of the land and. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember talking to him, especially uh, at Camden Yards, you know, where they moved the left field wall back so far that, uh, you know, that he really paid a lot of attention to that and, and talked to uh, the outfielders about playing that. So he was really, he's kind of a detailed guy and, and always well prepared. And his outfielders played like that. Yeah, and I remember uh, I talked to, uh, or uh, the end of the season around September, I talked to uh, Stephen Kwan and Miles Straw, and and I said, you know, what is what is Kyle Hudson meant to uh, this this group of of outfielders? But really, the biggest question mark about the Guardians uh, entering the season was who would be the outfielders, who would who would contribute, and where would their their productivity be? And and really, uh, you know, Hudson is it was sort of a, a major factor in uh, their their productivity on the defensive side. Uh, and and Quan said, you know, Hudson's the guy who goes around the clubhouse, uh, in, in, you know, every day, uh, saying, "Hey, are we going to see you out there for, uh, you know, uh, whatever drills they're doing, whether it's ground balls, whether it's line drives, whatever," uh, and and you know, reminding them, "Hey, you know, I don't have to make you come out here and and do your pregame work," uh, but he sort of kept them on task, and and he said, "Hey." If, if, if Huddy's out there doing the work, you know, I, I, I should be out there doing it too. And and it really sort of showed some of these young guys uh, what it takes to to be a productive major leaguer and a good major league defensive uh, outfielder. And and it showed it paid off for for the Guardians. Uh, you know, two gold gloves, uh, thirty three defensive runs saved according to Fangraphs, uh, the most in in the majors uh, for an outfield. I uh, you know just. There's there's something they're going to be missing uh, this uh, you know next next season uh, without Hudson there. Uh, where do you think the the replacement or the the next sort of major league assistant and, and outfield coach for the Guardians is going to come from? 
Yeah, you know, Joe, I was just uh, checking on that. And, uh, you know, they, I think, uh, you know, while, you know, they replaced uh, Brian Sweeney, the bullpen coach, and Justin Toole, one of the uh, hitting assistants, you know, internally, it sounds like they might, you know, kind of do a blend uh, this time, uh, you know, go maybe a little outside the organization, maybe, in, you know, and then some internal candidates as well to try and pl- replace Hudson. I think, uh, you know, they, they were going to start really kind of, cracking down on this uh, this week, you know, coming out of the holidays. Yeah, and, and not only is it the the defensive work and the uh, the outfield coaching there, but you also have to consider the uh, the advanced scouting aspect of it that that Hudson took care of and and the work that he put in, uh, you know, in the in the scouting room with the the major league coaching uh, staff uh, and his ability to do analytics and 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 look ahead to the opponents. Uh, you know that 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 shouldn't go uh, unnoticed, and and uh, something you got to take into consideration when you're uh, hiring for that position. Uh, what does it mean that uh, you know so many of of Terry Francona's uh, staff members are are getting looked at for promotions and and roles with other clubs that are uh, you know uh, advancements for uh, a lot of these guys. Well, it means you're doing the, you're doing you're doing something right, you know. And it seems like every year, you know, uh, uh, Cleveland has either their front office, you know, personnel or their their on the field personnel, you know, kind of get rated almost uh, by other teams, and they are always, uh, you know, you know, you have you can't you you really can't take a lateral job, you know. It has to be a promotion, and obviously, you know, being a Going from you know coaching assistant like uh, Hudson was to first base coach, you know it means you're you're in the on the pension plan, and it means you're you know you're recognized as one of what I think you you're allowed what six full time coaches, so that's a promotion for him, and uh, it just means, like we've always said, Joe, that that Cleveland is an organization that not only does it right with uh, players and you know drafting, developing players, getting them to the big leagues. But they, you know, they do the, do the same thing with the people that help those players, you know, get ready and and get, you know, through the minors and get to the big leagues and be productive. Yeah, they know how to hire and they know how to hire for uh, the positions that that are important and, and need, you know, are, are of need the most. You know, it starts at the top. It starts with Tito. They they they, they went out and they got, you know, a, a Hall of Fame manager and he's done nothing but. uh you know, be a Hall of Fame manager while he's been in Cleveland. And it just sort of follows under him that, you know, everybody who's come along has has been, uh, you know, productive in their roles. I I, I think that that starts with Antonetti and, and, and Chernoff and it, it goes right through Tito and, and all the way on down. And now uh, it's a good problem to have to have openings on your staff like this because it means the guys that you hired for those roles have just absolutely killed it. And then they've knocked it out of the park and, and other clubs recognize that and, and, and want to sort of harvest and, and utilize, uh, you know, what, what you've been able to produce. So uh, good for Kyle Hudson, good for the guardians, uh, good for the next guy who, who comes in and, and steps up uh, and takes a role on the major league staff uh, under Terry Francona. I'm sure there are guys uh, who are just clamoring for that job all throughout the league uh up and coming guys because they, they know if they they come and spend some time uh learning under tito that they're going to uh you know be better for it and be be that much more hireable by somebody for their next job 
Yeah, and I think, Joe, uh, another thing, you know, I think, you know, there's been such an emphasis on uh, throughout the league, you know, throughout the 30 big league teams of of getting younger, of using younger players, you know, and, and nobody was younger than, than Cleveland last year. And these coaches that they lost, uh, Hudson, Brian Sweeney, Justin Toole, you know, we're obviously we're able to relate to those young players, recognize the talent in those young players and and uh, develop them and and get them to perform at the big league level. And, you know, that's what counts. And I think, uh, you know, everybody's trying to dip their toe into that that magic elixir, so to speak. Yeah. Hudson, uh, I believe, turns 36 uh, this week or, or sometime in the next couple of days. Uh, and And he was with Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, all through the the lower levels of the minors, you know, I, I believe he had him at like uh, Lynchburg, and he worked with him at at uh, at Lake County uh, as well. So you're right; there was a reason why when Oscar Gonzalez came up in May, it was so easy for him to transition, uh, at least defensively, uh, into whatever he was doing uh, with a you know as a major league outfielder because. You know, he had he had worked with Hudson and and that was one of the first people that I interviewed about Oscar Gonzalez was Kyle Hudson. And he said, you know, this guy's arm plays at the major league level. He's he's got the, the tools to be a good uh, defensive right fielder. Uh, and and and, you know, there was a lot of belief and faith in him because Hudson had seen him do it at the lower levels. Uh, you know, why can't he just do it uh, at, at the major league level? So. Uh, you're, you're right. The the idea of staying with the young, uh, the youth and the young players, it's it's because, you know, a guy like Kyle Hudson had come up along with this guy through the, the, the lower level uh, of the minors that that he, you know, sort of had that faith and knew what the guy could do and what he couldn't do. And and boy, it, it really worked out for Oscar Gonzalez. Yeah, definitely. Oscar, <laughs> you know, he's up for what, 90, 91 games and, you know, just made you know, a lasting impression, <laughs> if nothing else, in, in the postseason, what, he had three go-ahead, game-winning hits, uh, that just, you know, and, you know, he like you, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, he played well in uh, defensively, you know, he just, uh, like, he showed that good arm, you know, he showed the ability to go back on the ball, and, uh, you know, he looked, he, he didn't look overmatched in right field. Yeah, now, the, the big question is, moving into 2023 when everything changes for Oscar Gonzalez and he's not going to have Hudson, uh, you know, there to sort of help him through some of these changes uh, because without the shift, you're not going to have Andres Jimenez playing short right field in front of you, uh, taking away the need for Oscar Gonzalez to come in on a lot of line draw. Um, you know, he won't need to, he didn't need to come in on a lot of line drives because he had Jimenez out there in short right field last year. Uh, it's going to be different this year. There's going to be a lot more ground for him to cover. Uh, you can't just put him back there deep and say, okay, if you have to go back on a ball, uh, you know, it's pretty much over your head, but you don't have to come in on anything. And and that was a luxury that they had last year with the shift. Uh, this, you know, in 2023, that won't be the case. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. When you think about the shift, you 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 kind of think about, you know, what it does to the what advantage or disadvantage it gives to the hitter 
but uh, with the lack of the shift now, you really don't think uh, defensively. It's although you know you maybe you, what what are the range of your middle infielders, but the right fielder is affected as well. That's that's a good point, Joe. Yeah, you can no longer just hide your your right fielder with no range out there and and put a guy who can't move out there. And and I'm not saying Oscar Gonzalez can't move. We've seen him move. He's he's athletic and he's for a big guy he he can do that. But uh, I'll tell you, it, it's going to impact. The, there's going to be more balls that drop in front of him in right field now, uh, for certain, because the the ability to just play back as deep as he did is <clears throat> is gone. So. Uh, you know, things are going to change for Oscar Gonzalez without Kyle Hudson. Uh, that's for certain. All right. Uh, moving on, we've uh, we've come, come to uh, the part in the offseason where there's there, there's really not a lot going on. Uh, there's there's some veteran free agents still out there left to be signed. Uh, but, you know, most of the, the big trades and the big signings have have already taken place. We'll uh, we'll get to questions about. Uh, some of the uh, the big signings that are going on here in a minute, but I uh, wanted to mention that sort of the the only other big news out there right now is uh, your old friend Trevor Bauer uh, was reinstated uh, over the holidays. So it had his uh, um, suspension cut to 194 games. He's been fully reinstated and can can play now. The speculation is that the um, the Dodgers are going to release him because. I guess the folks in the in the clubhouse there in Los Angeles uh, are are a little sick of Trevor Bauer. Uh, Bauer comes out uh, on uh, Monday and has a series of tweets that uh, sort of mock the situation and mock people's reporting of uh, the situation, saying that he's going to be released. Uh, the typical sort of Trevor Bauer, uh, you know, situation there. But what do we expect to be the case with Bauer? And and will we see him play for the Dodgers? Will we see him play for anybody this year? Or is does he become uh, too much of a hot potato for a team to sign? Boy, it's that's a great question, Joe. I do not know the answer. Uh, you know, I would think, um, you know, all indications kind of point to the Dodgers, you know, releasing Bauer. I, I, I just don't. You know, how does he uh, come back to that ball club? I, I, I don't know. Uh, but if he get does get released and, you know, becomes a free agent and what they, uh, I guess, uh, they, I'm not sure of the contract. They, he's on, the, they owe him for at least one more year, right, in 2023. On, yeah, I believe so. I believe yeah. they owe him one more year and there were, there were all sorts of options built into that contract. So... Uh, you know, but does anyone else take a chance on this guy? I mean, that's uh, that's the uh, the big thing. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball is had in their statement after you know he was uh, you know the, his penalty uh, was his suspension was reduced. Said they felt the 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 the, the you know the penalties against him, what he did against you know the the sexual misconduct uh, clause in in the basic agreement, uh, you know, deserved a longer a longer suspension. Uh, the arbitrator saw it differently. Uh, he's still not going to, even if he does play, uh, you know, in 2023, he won't get paid for the first 50 games of his season. So, you know, that's something to take into consideration. Uh, but uh, it's just going to be a really kind of an interesting case to follow, Joe, to see 
if the Dodgers release him and, you know, A, if do the Dodgers release him? And I think they had, what, a 14-day window to do that. And uh, B, does anyone else sign him? And uh, what are the re- repercussions of the team signing him? What what are, What is the reaction of their fan base? You know, we've seen this in Cleveland with Deshaun, you know, Deshaun Watson. Uh, with the Cleveland Browns quarterback, and uh, I'm sure we're going to we have not heard the last of Trevor Bauer. Well, we certainly haven't heard the last from him. And if uh, if he plays somewhere and has to do so for 50 games without getting paid, uh, that's going to be something that that he is certainly going to be vocal about. Uh, I can I can tell you that. Uh, I I got to believe that if he gets signed by somebody, it's got to be one of the teams that can sort of absorb that. And you know, still have their fan base show up anyway. Something it's got to be one of the New York teams or one of the LA teams or uh, maybe even like a Boston right now that's sort of uh, sort of building up or rebuilding in a, in a way. Uh, but I, I can't see him going to like a like a Tampa Bay or a, a you know a, a small market team uh, just because you're right that would that would in, in any sort of negative effect on the fan base hurts their bottom line and there's there's no way they can afford that yeah and uh just uh you know what the guy has not pitched what since so i think uh you know july of 2021 uh you know obviously you know that that's a you know that's a detriment you know trevor bauer is going to be ready physically uh, you know, it, it, I don't think he's, he, he's, you know, he's, you know, put that part of his game away. He's really, you know, he's almost a fanatical workout guy. So it, it, he will be ready depending on when he gets his chance. But I just, you know, Joe, I, I just don't, I just don't see where, you know, when he's going to get that chance, but, you know, knowing, you know, I think the, the Watson thing is, is a, is a test case. This guy's done that he's shown you know different franchises that uh okay you're going to take some heat but in the end you know you you will get your guy back on the field no what no matter what his transgressions were and uh you know he he will you know he he does have a chance to be productive so i think you know somebody down the road is going to do the same see the same thing in in bauer and and give him a chance i just think in today's climate that's the way things work yeah, I, I I don't think there's a doubt that that he will get a chance. Uh, the only thing I know for certain is that he's thrown his very last pitch for Cleveland. Uh, he threw that, uh, you know, over the wall in Kansas City. So uh, after that, I, I can't imagine that he would ever uh, be a, a consideration for the Guardians or, or anybody in, in this Cleveland organization, uh, especially if Terry Francona is the manager here. Yeah, uh, that 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 ship has sailed for sure. That train has pulled out of the station a long time ago, Joe. All right. Uh, the other sort of big news still going on: uh, Carlos Correa, uh, will he or won't he be signed by the Mets? Uh, I've heard rumors that they're considering uh, contracts with all sorts of opt-out clauses and and conditions uh, to to rework. Uh, his agreed upon, uh, you know, thir- uh, what, $315 million over uh, uh, 10 years. Uh, that was the original announcement. And then uh, there was discrepancies with the, the, the medical reports. 
what do you think the, the you know of the latest in the in the Korea uh, saga, and will he play for the Mets this year? Yeah, I think eventually he's going to play for the Mets, Joe. And I, I don't know what I think the, the contract will probably, uh, you know, be cut down. The number of years involved will be cut down. There will be opt outs in there for both maybe both sides or there's going to both sides are going to be looking to protect themselves here, Joe. If he, you know, I don't I, you know, Correa, I don't think it's going to be, you know, that 10, 13 year deal. I just uh, I just don't see that happening. And, uh, you know, the money involved will be, you know, probably front loaded. He'll, you know, get the big AAV kind of like what he did with the uh, with the twins last season and go from there. But it just sounds like I think if uh, he would have already moved on from the Mets, if, if they didn't have something, if they weren't really far down the road on this thing. Right. And it just felt like he wanted to be in an, an L.A. or a New York situation as opposed to. Uh, you know, a Minnesota situation uh, from the start here. Uh, so, so really, I think he he'll probably sacrifice those years uh, if he can still get the big uh, AAV up front and and still play in a New York uh, situation. I think that that's what he values a little bit more. Just uh, knowing Scott Boris, uh, you know, I, I think he's still going to get his because uh, because Scott Boris always just seems to to come out on top with with these things. Uh, and with his clients, uh, you know, getting these big contracts. So uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, uh, the, other... the one thing, the one thing, Joe, excuse me, the one thing about him, uh, you know, we saw Correa a lot this past season and I, I thought he, I thought he played well, you know, he had some games where, you know, he was kind of off the charts. He looked like the guy that, that had played with Houston. And I, I don't think there's a concern about, you know, two, three, four, a four, two or three or four years, a four-year deal. It's, it's you know, when you start talking 12 and 13 years, I think that's where the concern where, where you know, the Giants obviously were concerned and, and where the Mets were concerned. Right. Yeah. The, the final years of that 10 to 12-year contract would be the ones where you're uh, you're basically dealing with like an Albert Pujols situation where you've got a guy who who can be productive, but he's just never healthy, which, you know, would be a, a situation they would try to avoid. And it's totally understandable. Yeah, yeah right. that's that's a great point. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap up by talking about Guards Fest. Uh, we've seen now a, a couple of lists of of names of guys who are. Uh, confirmed for Guards Fest on January 21st at the convention center. Uh, the latest list now uh, features Josh Naylor and Bo Naylor, along with Oscar Gonzalez, Stephen Kwan, Ahmed Rosario, and uh, several other young players like Brian Rocchio, Gabriel Arias, Will Benson. Uh, they join the uh, the initial list of of guys. Uh, who are going to be there confirmed, including Tristan McKenzie, uh, Tyler Freeman, uh, Eli Morgan's going to be there, uh, Miles Straw, Emmanuel Class A, Andres Jimenez, James Karinchak, uh, Trevor Steffen, uh, Richie Palacios, George Valera. So a, a, a lot of these young players, the, the names that sort of jump out at you that are the ones that aren't there yet or haven't been confirmed yet, I have a feeling the club is is waiting to announce some of these names, uh, but uh, you know, there's still kind of uh, scratching your head. You know why? Uh, you know we haven't seen the the headliners here: uh, Shane Bieber, uh, Aaron Savali, Zach Plesac, 
uh, Jose Ramirez, Josh Bell, and and Mike Zanino, uh, some of the the new guys as well. Uh, but those those headliner names, uh, I'm, I'm, we're hoping to see them uh, coming soon. Yeah, I would think you know they, most of those guys would show up, especially you know the, the you know uh, Bell and Zanino. I mean, those guys would just sign with a ball club. I would think uh, you know they would get them here unless you know. There's just something, uh, you know, they, they they have other plans or family vacation or they had to, uh, you know, with Zanino, maybe, you know, his rehab is still going on with his shoulder. You know, they don't want to interfere with that. But, you know, you, you're coming to the you're, you're coming to uh, Cleveland for what, three, four days. You're in the, you're at the facility. You can, you know, go over and get your treatment there. So I would think uh, you, you would definitely see those guys. Um, you know, and, and, and we, we know Ramirez has to come in and get his hand checked. Right. So I, I would think, you know, that, 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 that would be a good thing to uh, coincide with, uh, with, uh, Jose showing up at, uh, at guard fest. Yeah. There's your incentive for coming to Cleveland is to, to get your hand checked and then, uh, you know, sit there and sign autographs for, for five hours with a, uh, a bunch of fans, uh, but you know we love Guards Fest. We love uh, the the fan festival. The the opportunity for uh, the fans to get up close with these guys and 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 see them interact with the kids on the on the play ball field. And uh, you know it's an opportunity over the winter to to sort of get them one on one and and talk about the changes in uh, you know in the roster, uh, in the coaching staff, and and everybody and what they're looking forward to. Uh, this year will will be different because. Uh, you got to, you know, the majority of that roster is has never been to a live in-person uh, guards fest. Uh, heck, they've they've barely even had a a, a real major league offseason. So uh, a, a lot of these uh, guys will be doing this for the first time. It'll be great to to get their their reactions and, and see what they're uh, looking forward to as well. Yeah, hey, and, before- it's a, it, and it's the kickoff to, you know, spring training, the, the regular season. We haven't had it. What? When was the last uh, Tribe Fest slash Guard Fest? You know, COVID really canceled at least the last two, right? I think uh, 2019 might have been the last one we had in person. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, looking forward to it. Hey, I uh, wanted to uh, get your thoughts, and, and we'll talk more about this on Thursday. I think it's going to be our uh, our lead topic, but... Uh, just, uh, we had New Year's Eve, uh, once the, uh, the clock struck midnight, uh, the other most significant thing that happened at the stroke of midnight, uh, in, in the state of Ohio, uh, besides the Buckeyes, uh, missing a kick was the, the dawn of online sports gambling and, and, and gambling really, uh, throughout, uh, Ohio, uh, here, uh, you know the the debut of of DraftKings and FanDuel and and all those services where you can place micro bets and and all these things that are, are making things different with sports gambling in Ohio uh, that that started on on New Year's Day. Uh, what do we think the the effect is going to be and and where is all this going? Have 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 you uh, really given any consideration to what this is going to mean for? Uh, the baseball season when when this all you know takes place. 
Yeah, I, I, Joe, I, this is, uh, you know, I, I, I'm so old school at this that, you know, I think of gambling and, and professional sports, and I just don't see how the two mix. It's like oil and water, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously the marriage has taken place, and we've known this for, you know, five, six, seven years that this was coming. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed your story that you wrote for uh, The Plain Dealer uh, on, on Sunday about it. And uh, it's it's a new frontier, Joe. And I guess, uh, you know, you, you've got to sit back and see how it unfolds. You know, I, I'm not a big gambler myself. I, I'm not a big better myself. And, uh, but, uh, you know, as long as it can be done and, and can be kept, you know, ab- above board, Hey, it, it, it increases fan participation. Maybe it'll increase, um, you know, attendance. And, uh, you know, I'm anxious to see uh, how uh, the Guardians handle it. Do they open a uh, casino-like thing at, at a progressive field? It, it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I, those will all be topics that we cover uh, in Thursday's podcast. Uh, we'll talk to Hoinsey the Greek uh, uh, coming <laughs> up here get his gambling insights uh, every week when when they start asking us for for uh, betting tips that's that's where I draw the line so we'll uh we'll check back in uh again on Thursday uh, the next edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast Hoinsey we'll talk to you then all right Joe